Welcome to another episode of JMS Podcast. Alright people, here we go again. Saddle up. Uh, today's guest is a fellow comedian and friend, Paul Diggins. I've met him when I was going to San Jose State. Well, I still going to San Jose State, but I met him at the club. At the uh, comedy club. I'm a pretty cool guy. Uh, so, yeah, thoughts to look forward to. Me, um, honestly, I'm a little hungover right now. I partied like a rock star. Last night was a special milestone in my uh, comedy career. I um, performed for the first time a 30-minute set. That's right, yeah. 30 minutes straight of my own material. That's like a year work worth of work. That's like a year worth of work. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the band, uh, Tombo Decide had a show at Cafe Frescati, and they asked me to be the featured comedian. Uh, but it's weird, because they put me as the last act, so technically, the bands opened up for me, which was nice. Great crowd, I was surrounded by great friends, and, uh, really proud of myself, actually. It's like, I was doing the set, and I realized that, you know, I had more more bits than I thought. And for a year in, it's not so bad. I can't really complain. Afterwards, we went to a local bar and just boom. We were having old-fashioned whiskey all night. Oh, and the party didn't stop there. Oh no, we 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 took Uber. First time I ever took Uber, by the way. Uh it was pretty funny. My fr- uh, friend kept calling the driver of the Uber uh Carlos, but his real name is Luis. So poor guy had to deal with us drunks, calling him Carlos. We get to his place, and we're just drinking and celebrating. Had a good time. And I woke up hungover with food stains on my pants and food stains on my shirt and alcohol stains. And ah, good good uh, evidence of having a good time. But I really want to thank all those that came out to check out the show and all those that stuck around to watch me do comedy. I really do appreciate it. Uh, for this podcast, uh, you can find it on Facebook, JMS Podcast. Also, you can contact me, jmspodcast at gmail.com. And I want to try something new. Uh, I would like to include you guys in the conversation. So if you have any questions about anything going on in your life that you want to figure it out, I'll be your therapist, Therapist Jorge. I'll give you some advice. Um won't be the best advice, I'm telling you right now, won't be the best, but I'll let you know what I think, what you should do. Or send me an article, send me an article you find interesting or funny, and something uh, that you feel it's worth uh, mentioning and talking about on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. But let's get going to this interview with Paul Diggins. You know, get a little closer to the mic. Really? Yeah, super close. Okay. Like, there you go. Like, uncomfortably close. Uncomfortably close, yeah. Good to know. All right, Pod Diggins in the house. So, how you been, man? I'm good. Good, good? Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's talk a bit about comedy. How did you get started in comedy? How did I get started in comedy? Um, like stand up comedy. Like I, it, when I first met you, you were like the expert for the club because the SJSU comedy <laughs> club. You were the guy that knew the comedians, or the guy that knew how how comedy, you know, quote unquote, works and so on. So, uh, so I figured, like, wow, this guy must have like really been into it at a very young age. I have been into comedy my whole life, as far as long as I can remember. Um, my, you know, you hear like old comedians talk about. Like, I remember getting. Uh, a Bob Newhart record or a, you know Richard Pryor record we play, but I didn't you know I grew up in the 90s so my brother would uh, illegally download like Mitch Hedberg albums or Patton Oswalt but because um, I grew up in like such a strict conservative Christian household like I wasn't allowed to listen to any dirty comedians so it was mostly like Brian Regan um, blue collar comedy the blue collar comedy yeah yeah uh, what else Mitch Hedberg, Patton Oswalt, stuff like that. Um, and then as I got older, they, they didn't really care anymore. But um, I knew for I mean I knew for years that I wanted to do comedy, um, but I, I didn't pursue it until I was twenty three. I went to uh, Tommy T's up in Pleasanton, um, and I just I just sat I they, I knew they had an open mic and so I just went and I checked it out I didn't perform at all just watched and I was like you know I think I'm I think I'm better than most of these guys you know and uh, so two weeks later I went back um I knew it was gonna be I knew I was gonna suck I knew it was my first gonna be my first time so how I, old were you I was twenty three twenty three this was literally October like my first year at state at state uh-huh. I probably met you like four months after that really yeah wow when i first met you you did stand up like someone who's been doing it for a while i've i've had a long maybe you naturally have that i just i've i've just saturated my brain with stand-up comedy over the years like i I listen to stand-up every single day and it's not even a chore it's just what i do it's just a background noise to me i I, I listen to stand-up at the gym and that makes me sound like way more dedicated and hardworking than I am. It's like, yeah. Working out I, to Mitch Hedberg. It's huh? like, man, I like pull up my Pandora app and then fall asleep to stand up. Okay. Then at 23, you tried stand up at Tommy T's. Tried it for the and you're from Pleasanton, yeah? I am from Pleasanton. You grew up in Pleasanton. I, yes. You said you grew up in, in a very conservative family? Uh, yeah. Like how conservative are we talking about here? Like, like, like diehard Republicans conservative? Or we talking I wouldn't more say like- diehard. It's more just they're very cautious and strict. Not like Jehovah's Witness level of, you know, we celebrate holidays and stuff. But I just, I was not celebrating Halloween. That was one thing. So my mom didn't like Halloween. Halloween? Why? Mm-hmm. The witchcraft and stuff or? Uh, that and my mom got scared super bad when she was like... Oh, a little girl like she was at some thing and some guy like jumped out of the shadows and grabbed her and like little did that guy know in that one instance he ruined Halloween <laughs> he fucked it up for her kids <laughs> for kids and potential and the thing is like I don't really know if I want to have kids but I don't like Halloween now as an adult I just can't oh my even God. The, even adult Halloween it's like yeah it's cool you can party and girls dress up slutty but like you can do that whenever you want 
But the costumes, the costumes, what? I, I can't get into it. I've never had a good Halloween costume. I went trick-or-treating twice my whole life. Wow. Once when I was like three and once in like the eighth grade. Halloween, not her thing. So how did you celebrate it then? Um, my mom, instead of doing like this stupid parade around school, my mom, uh, eventually she would just start like taking us out of school and we'd go like see a movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was. I didn't. I didn't really sweat it. I we occasionally every couple scary of years, movie. I don't really like scary movies. Okay, so in Halloween she wouldn't take you guys to go see scary movies. No, it was like we saw like Remember the Titans, something like that. <laughs> Just whatever was good and um, appropriate. Um, and you know there was like certain candy I didn't like, and instead of like, excuse me, um, dealing with just the random assortment you get on Halloween, you. We I would just we would just be like okay kids what kind of candy do you want like, Skittles and Starburst yeah. no mm-hmm. no mounds no almond joy you don't have to worry about that so it wasn't she didn't celebrate Halloween necessarily because you know she her just, Christian values she no but she but, justified it saying you know like Easter is about Jesus rising from the dead Christmas is about his birth Thanksgiving is about being thankful all these all you know very positive did she, she try to explain like Cinco de Mayo no. or Columbus Day no no no, no. <laughs> And Halloween is very negative, very dark, dealing with like evil spirits and scaring people and wickedness. And like, I, I kind of understood that. Like, I, I, if I had kids, I'd be like, yeah, you can be a Power Ranger. I'm not going to let you dress up as like the scream guy. Yeah. I, just, as a kid, like about five years in a row, I would dress up as Batman. <laughs> For five, I th- actually, I'm pretty sure it was the same costume because my family was so broke, the party, I didn't get a new costume. <laughs> so for five years, you know, I tried to fit into you, this no, one Batman you, you costume. You chose to be Batman. For I, I loved it, dude. I loved oh, it. Yeah. I used to be like, you know, I used to be that weird kid jumping from dumpster to dumpster thinking, you know, looking for cover. Uh, yeah. And then I dressed up as Power Rangers once. It was cool. I don't think I liked it as much. But yeah. So and then and then with with Halloween, you know, just, just trick or treating. But these days after shit. My teen years, I stopped going trick-or-treating. It's yeah, just... It gets lame after a while. But speaking of Power Rangers, another thing not allowed in my household growing up. Power Rangers, Harry Potter. Harry Potter? Yeah. I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter at first. Took Could you watch the films? Uh, I was allowed to read them by the time the films started coming out because I was a little older. Uh-huh. But it's just like... There's just like this network of like Christian moms and they just, all they do is just listen to what each other say on stuff or they'll go to like Christian moms movie reviews.com and they'll just give like such a thing exists. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's been the bane of my upbringing. Just like, Oh, can we go see this movie? Like, well, let me check what the reviews say. Like, Oh, you go into Rotten Tomatoes? Or no, like the most biased and it's just like, I don't know, Finding Nemo does have a bunch of death at the beginning. <laughs> Which is like one? Or is it two? I don't remember. It's uh, the barracuda eats the eggs and the mom. You know, but oh, it's a yeah. yeah. The uh, eggs. A, That's like like 50 of them. Yeah, it's a slaughter. Um, but the, you know, you, I told you the story about why I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers, right? No. I've done it in stand-up. Have you? It's one of my better stories. Yeah, it was... Um, you know, a lot of kids I knew uh, growing up weren't allowed to watch Power Rangers because they the show was violent. You know, it, looking back, it's horribly cheesy. The like, there's like, oh, look how hard he didn't kick that guy. 
Yeah. And then he exploded. <laughs> and it's just like I liked I liked the Power Rangers. You know why? For the colors. The colors. I liked the colors. I thought they were cool. <laughs> they were like good, strong colors. You know the, and like. You know, so a lot of parents are like, no, you can't, because they watch Power Rangers, and then they try to, like, mimic the move, and then they injure their baby sister or something, and they'd be like, oh, no more Power Rangers for you guys. Or, like, I was thinking later, like, maybe they thought the show was, like, racist, because they just, they made... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They made the yellow the, the, ranger Asian, and the, yeah. the, the black, black ranger black, yeah. <laughs> and... But no, that, I mean that would have been reasonable. But no, the, the reason was because there was a character on there named Lord Zed. Lord Zed wasn't a main character. He was like an assistant to one of the bad guys. He like f- would fight the Power Rangers occasionally. I think don't remember much about it. But my mom like ran to the TV and shut it off and says, "We're not watching this anymore." And we're like, "What? No, why? Why, mom? Why? Why? Why?" And she said, because only Jesus is Lord. <laughs> okay. So, because he had Lord in front of his name. Yes. Lord. Wow. And I just, I was, I was young and I just had to take it. You can't, I, I, I didn't You have, couldn't question it. I didn't have the mental fortitude and wherewithal to be like, you know what, mom, this is why I think you're wrong on these three points. Like, uh, when you're crazy to Lord is an official title, like. Lord, like I was allowed to watch Lord of the Dance. <laughs> My brother's allowed to re- read Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Flies. Totally fine. We had a landlord. <laughs> still gotta, still Maybe she pay. just panicked, and the first thing she could think of was Jesus. Oh, it was just like it was. It was pre-internet in the house. Like we didn't have a computer until like way later than a lot of people, and. And so if they didn't understand something, their their solution was just ban it. Like, I'm not going to do research and go out of my way to be like, oh, maybe this show does teach, like, good values about, like, teamwork and the power of friendship and hard work. And now they're just like, eh, violence, Lord Zed, ban it. Yeah, I don't remember Power Rangers having any good values in it anyway. I mean, uh, one film I saw as a young kid that I... Because when watching Power Rangers, I didn't really was motivated to, like, fight anybody. But when I saw Mortal Kombat, the movie, <laughs> I was all about fighting people and shit. Wasn't allowed to watch that stuff. Wasn't allowed to play Mortal Kombat. No. Yeah. Uh, another thing you talk about your family on your comedy set is Disney. It seems like Disney has been a big part of your life. I love Disney movies. Because, like, like I said, I grew up in a uh, you know a strict conservative Christian household, um, so the options for media were very limited. I didn't have cable as a kid until until I was older, maybe like seven or eight, I think. I might be totally wrong, but for the sake of the comedy, it's seven or eight. And I remember, I remember one day sitting down with a friend and. Um, and Sorry, there's like something clicking here. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Oh, it's just the horse on top the of your... The horse was clicking. The horse on top of your fridge is rattling. There you go. Sorry, you were saying. For the viewers listening at home, yeah, he, I, he took the horse off of the fridge. I took the horse it's off the fridge. It's not a real horse. No, that would be weird. Yeah. That would be weird. You're very strong if you could lift a, a full horse off of a tiny... Yeah. A mini fridge. Well, maybe it was like a, like a small uterus horse, perhaps. Like a mini horse? Like a mini horse. Like a little Sebastian. <laughs> Little Sebastian, yeah, I love that show. Such a great show. 
But Disney, going back to Disney. So anyways, this leads up to the point. I remember, I feel like such an old man telling this story. Because the way it's, it seems like, like, I remember the first time someone turned on a light bulb. <laughs> it's like, I, just, I remember my friend picked up his, the remote controller and he changed the channel. And I was like, what? Like, uh, TVs were for watching movies on the VCR. Oh, you did not know there were channels. I didn't. What, how old were you? Like five. So at five, you finally like revealed that the power of the television is much more than just watching movies. Yeah. And he's like, and I was like, oh my God. And he was like, yeah, dude, you want to watch some cartoons? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Where, like what? What channel has cartoons? He's like, I'm like, dude, there's an entire network devoted to cartoons. <laughs> and I was like, what is it called? He was like, Cartoon Network. I just blew my mind. I think on that day, that's when my love of television started. It, you just remind me like the first time I got into drugs. <laughs> like the moment you realize that it's much more than just beer and cigarettes. Yeah, there's signifying mo- significant moments for me. Watching TV for the first time. Taking mushrooms for the first time. They're both up there. The first times, you know? Yeah. Um, it's about. So anyways, uh, back to Disney. The, the options for what I could watch were limited to stuff we had cut to rent from the church library. Which was like, like these, like a, a show about a talking donut. <laughs> that teaches you about a talking the, donut. the Bible. Um, an old man who owns an ice cream store that has a time machine that takes you back into Bible stories. And a bunch of singing, talking vegetables. And those sound like I just made those up. No, those are all actual. It's the Donut Man, Adventures in Odyssey, and Veggie Tales. Was it like a sprinkled donut? What kind of donut was it? Was it like? I think the, it was plain. It's a plain. It's a plain donut. <laughs> that makes sense. It's a, it's, you know, I guess some conservative there's cartoonist the one you know. Uh, there's one I think it's called McGee and Me. This guy had like a cartoon friend that would like follow him around and be like, "Hey kids, don't do drugs." Dude, Jesus. Or, well, you know, not dude, Jesus. Dude, Jesus. Get high on the Lord. High on God's word. You know. Um, so that was, it was either like, all right, we can watch those or we can watch Disney movies. <laughs> so I watched, you know, I chose to watch Disney movies. And so I, I, it's embarrassing the depth of knowledge I have on Disney movies and Disney, Disney songs. Like, I know the lyrics. I know the lyrics in between the lyrics where they're just like, Talking, uh-huh. and then they go back to the singing. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics within the lyrics, I like that. Well, it, have you been to Disneyland? I'm sure you have, right? Of course. How many times? Um, is it like a, for your case with your family? Is it like a pilgrimage, like every year? No, no. I've been like maybe five or six times. Five or six times. I used to go. I went a lot as a kid, and then I got lost there for like an hour when I was nine, and we we didn't go back for a long time. Got lost for an hour. Yeah, my little brother got lost. He he went. He he didn't go with us. He he went with some other family, friends of ours, and uh, apparently they, they lost him for like the entire day, or half the day. How old was he? Uh, he was in his early teens, like thirteen, I think. And <laughs> yeah, I was nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think they got lucky. They found him, but I, I uh, we were hanging out in like. 
Tomorrowland or something, and I got I got separated, and I didn't tell anyone this about the time because I was kind of embarrassed about it. I got separated because I got distracted by this Britney Spears exhibit, <laughs> and I was like, I thought she was really cool, and, but I was nine, and you can't be like, I like Britney Spears. People are like, Ugh, Backstreet Boys are death, <laughs> whatever. Well, I think even now I might be distracted by Britney Spears. <laughs> Eh, no, probably not anymore. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> and I like turn around and everyone's gone. And we were with like multiple families. And me being the bright young genius that I, I was, I was like, oh, I remember them talking. They were going to go to Toontown. And I was like, okay. So I take them. I had a map with me. And so I like navigate my way all the way around the park to get to Toontown. Instead of taking the advice they gave us when as soon as we got there, like, all right, kids, if any of you get lost, just go to one of the Disneyland employees in the orange suits. <laughs> I didn't do that. You're like, fuck that. I'm going to Toontowns. Yeah. So I walked around for a long time. <laughs> I was getting a little more worried. Couldn't find anybody. And I was like, I was in Toontown and I couldn't find them. And I was like, all right, I'll just go find someone in an orange suit. And... I don't know if this is just like my child brain remembering it different than it actually was, but I'm pretty sure the the first guy I approached had like one arm, an eye patch, an arm and an eye patch, and like a neck tattoo. Whoa! And was just like taking pick, taking out garbage and put him <laughs> in. And and he and I like swear I like looked at him and I was like, ah. and he was like, what? And you know he was a Disney villain as far as like, and I just remember being like, nope, I'm. I think I'm going to stay being lost. <laughs> so I I was like, all right, well, um, me wandering around has not been a good idea. So I'm just going to sit on this bench and wait for someone to find me. Yeah. And I did that. I waited like 10 minutes and my mom found me and there's tears and hugs and we were reunited and I didn't go back to Disneyland for another nine years. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know if there's like, yeah, we're not, we can't risk that. I got lost a lot as a kid. Yeah. Very easily distractible. Like in the neighborhood? Anywhere we get in the store, people's <laughs> houses. You know, these days, there's they're coming with technology to put like uh, chips in kids, like GPS tracking stuff. That's like the dumbest thing ever. Oh my God, this refrigerator's killing me. First of all, no. it's my laptop. Sorry about that, people. I got a, fr- I got like a mini fridge, and it's it's cool when you're not having a podcast. What is this podcast called? JMS Podcast. The JMS Podcast. Yeah, as you can tell, we're very professional. The JMS Podcast is an up and coming podcast. It's working out the kinks, like working. how to get a silent refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to donate money for me to get a a better refrigerator, I'm all for it. Uh, so I used to get lost a lot. Now going back to uh, your your upbringing, conservative family, but very much into comedy, very blue collar comedy. It was more like Mike Birbiglia and Pat Oswalt, guys like that. Okay, I like blue collar comedy, but that's just because that's what my dad would actually watch. Like Get Her Done. Yeah, he loved Ron White, loved Bill Engvall. Not so much Foxworthy and the Cable Guy. They're all good. And uh, high school. Actually, before we get there, though, were any of your parents creative in any way? 
like musically no not at all really my dad works uh, in retail loss prevention my mom was an elementary school teacher and then stopped doing that when she had the kids oh she was a teacher for a couple of years but she had four kids so decided to do that instead like there's no talent gene in your house or something um that's not true i mean my parents are you know they're very my dad's very good at golf and he's very good at his job my mom you know is one of the most amazing human beings on the planet but they just never really they didn't grow up in families like none of my uncles play music or anything like that it just wasn't even a thing they didn't could afford that you know both my parents grew up pretty pretty poor um and like my sister plays music and is uh was a ceramics major like a studio art ceramics major she's very good at ceramics yeah um so she's very artistically talented my brother he's very smart very athletic my younger youngest sister is like i've said this before and if like if i had like a quarter of the work ethic and focus that my youngest sister has i would be on comedy central <laughs> like she works so hard she's like a nursing student and she go like she goes to school works nursing and nannies wow yeah how many brothers and sisters do you have total i have an older brother and two younger sisters i'm one of four one or four in the middle yeah. middle child upper middle upper middle so not even the middle so that was interesting and then we go forward. You go through high school. My high school years were very okay. I, I kind of knew that the whole, these are the best years of our life thing wasn't true. And I didn't want it to be true for me because I, I knew that high school was very temporary. Um, I mean, I had I had friends. I didn't date much. Uh, yeah. Sports? You were into sports? I played baseball in a, like a steady league, not for the high school or anything. I was in a football league. Me and my friends made that. And it wasn't until later in your college years that you're like, you know, you grew up in, with, you know, full of Disney, full of, of, of Christian good values. It's Disney and sports. And sports. So what, what made you choose stand-up comedy in the end? I have small hands. <laughs> so sports, that's when that died. That that dream died the day my mom met my dad. <laughs> He doesn't have very big hands either. <laughs> hey, what are you gonna do? Um, no, I just my my grandpa's funny. My dad's pretty funny. Um, I've just I've always been funny, and that sounds like bragging, but I I say that meaning like that's like the only thing I'm good at. And that was like the main thing I, I dealt with growing up was like my brother is very smart, very gifted. It was in all the advanced classes growing up and in high school and graduate college three years so he's like and then there's paul he's really funny he's a great hugger <laughs> like, that's a talent being good it, hugger. It, i am a, an amazing I feel like hugger I'm, if anyone listening to this podcast would like to try to challenge me on that i will hug you so good yeah i feel like i've won the worst hugs ever like i feel when i hug it's very awkward and like i feel like my, my chest is so disappropriate like, you, you got wrong that's so kind of like weird. And you got to work with the person. <laughs> it takes two to tangle. Yeah. It takes two. Yeah, to ta- yeah exactly. And but maybe, maybe that's my problem. Maybe most of my hugs are one way hugs. I think, I think, I think the, the, the person receiving it doesn't even want them. So it gets a little awkward for me. 
I just I try to convey real emotion in my hugs. Real emotion. Like when I see Mine are just not consensual. <laughs> I think that's what it is. You just like maybe maybe you just should try hugging people from the front for for a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah, that. yeah, that's it. The front. I keep hugging them from the side and the back. That that explains a lot. And uh, how do you work doing stand up? How do you work with your jokes? Like, how, like what's what's your method of development? Because you're a big storytelling kind of guy. I am, and I don't really have joke jokes. I mean, I'm I'm working on some trying to add more jokes as, as possible and not just like oh this is an interesting and funny story but when i tell someone i'm a comedian they're like oh tell me a joke i like i have nothing yeah i guess i'm i don't want to because it's like there's like it's just stupid like oh what do you do like oh, i'm an i'm an engineer like, oh design something for me <laughs> no you wouldn't ask someone that it's stupid like, oh, you're a comedian? Oh, that, that makes sense, because you've made me laugh a lot. It's like, yeah. Why do you feel there's a difference between someone who's funny and somebody who's a comedian? Well, there's, I mean, I, I, like, I differentiate between comedian and stand-up comic. Because there, I've met a lot of stand-up comics that do very well. And they are dry sponges off stage. They are the most unfunny people. But they can, like get themselves to this place on stage and they can make like a solid set but it's it's like there's some comedians um i'll see at the improv that can just go with anything if the set's not going where they want it to go they can just do crowd work or they're just in the moment and there's other comedians that are just like do not differentiate Stick with the plan. The exact same like words every single night. And it's like, if you put them on a podcast, they would just be like, uh, yeah, uh, where's my script? Uh. <laughs> what, what, what am I supposed to say? Yeah. Yeah. And... Do you feel like they're more like actors at that point? Maybe. You know, especially the ones who get to the level where they have like people writing jokes for them and they're just kind of like vessels for their name and a face. Right, so they're acting what they think a comedian acts should be instead of not, being. Not necessarily that. It's just they're they're great performers, but they're not necessarily like on it all the time, funny wise, and that's fine. I mean, they they can be very successful, and they're a lot. They're more successful than I am. I haven't done shit. Going back though, you got a job at the Improv, so yeah. that's cool. That's that's. You're exposed to a lot of comics live. Oh, yeah. And you really could study them. Absolutely. Get closer to the mic. Sorry. Bump the table. Uh, yeah, you get to see just how different openers work, the features, the headliners, how, how drunk an audience has to be, how big an audience needs to be for it to, the acoustics to work, all the things that can just, you know, you need to get people's attention and... The earlier in the show, the quicker you need to get people's attention because they're just right. Oh, I'm here to see the headliner. Who are you? Oh, you're you're the opener. Maybe you'll become something someday, but yeah. And you get to meet a lot of comics. And I mean, what I'm saying is, has come from like talking to professional comedians, and I'm and they're just like, I'm just like, you're not funny at all. What's that? Nothing. Oh. 
don't want to say his name out loud. Like they're not funny. They're not funny outside of the stage. Off or stage and at all. And just and pouring. Oh, did you first name C? Or like first first letter then it's C. All we're gonna say is just the first name. I mean the, the first word and just fuck. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he he recently came into town. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's a very nice guy. I feel most comedians are nice. I, I never haven't really met. Actually, I take that back. There's some comedians I met that are a bit of an assholes, but for the most part, they're really nice. I think most comedians are very humble. Yeah, I think you. It, it's good to be because. I mean, unless you're at the top top level you have like no reason to it's like hey man i got more laughs at this shitty dive bar open mic than you did cool i'm gonna go hop a ride on the bus <laughs> later bitch like, no <laughs> you're both it's like being the best player in single a baseball right but i feel for comedians is like even if you're at the top there's always the experience of of bombing, like I feel like everybody bombs at, at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely, I bombed the other. And I think last week. I, I think bombing is what humbles you a bit. You know, you, where did you perform last week? It's Tommy T's. Tommy T's in Pleasanton, your hometown. Mm-hmm. Went back and I haven't performed there yet. It can be great. It can be rough. Depends on. Yeah, there's so many different factors, and some of it may not even be in your control. Yeah, the thing I. I don't like about Tommy T's is they give a $25 prize at the end. Oh, it's a competition? Well, yeah, but they'll like bring up the top like five and then people will just like round of applause or something. Uh, but that just like makes it so people aren't like laughing for each other. They're just like, oh, I want, I want to get that, you know? And it's like, all right, well, the room just sucks now because there's 30 comics, 15 of them are outside, five of them are at the bar. You always find a comic at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what are some other things you can take in from working at the improv? I mean, there's just there's a lot of elements to being a comedian that have nothing to do with comedy itself. Being a good comedian, being on time, being a you know professional, professional, doing the time amount of time you say you're going to. That's a big one. There's it sucks when the comedian will just refuses to get off stage, but it's even worse when they get off 10 minutes early and we're like, I'm still swiping credit cards. Wow. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, cool. I got to like frantically do this while people are like standing up like, all right, uh, where's our server with our credit card? And so I can now choose to tip while I'm leaving, which is never going to be as big as the tip when they're sitting at the table. Cause now the show's over. Right. A good comedian can, you know, certain comedians bring awesome crowds, and some comedians just bring horrible crowds. What are some examples of that? It's mostly just um, the more popular, like if people pay money to see, like they're charging like twenty five, and people are paying for that, they'll, you know, they're more likely to pay, tip well. Um, if it's like a free show, like literally one last night, I had a lady say. Oh, uh, so does the ticket come? It comes with a free item, right? I was like, the free ticket come? Like, no. Why? Why? You know, sometimes I don't. I don't want to. You wish you could just be like, are you fucking stupid. 
Like, do you not know what the word minimum means? Like, and, um, and I was like, no, like, we, we give out tickets for free because we want the place to be packed and we want people to buy drinks and we want people to buy food and the show is just, it's a better show when the room's packed. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know, I remember Victor might have said this, but performing at the improv is the easiest room around. Because people want to laugh. They are there to laugh. Especially if it's your, like, family and friends and, you know, at, you know, I'll see the same material at at the improv kill and just bomb at open mics. Oh, well, they're they're two different fields, really. Absolutely, but it's... A performance at, at, even open mics themselves, if, if you perform at a cafe open mic... And you perform at a bar open mic. Oh, it's much different. Exactly. And even, you know, regionally, uh, or even a cafe, like Cafe Friscati is much chiller than like Phil's was. Yeah. And I feel Friscati, it's it's more forgiving than most because there's a sense that, you know, people, you know, have like if a joke bombs, like some people might laugh at that, that you're bombing. See what I'm saying? It'll mostly be the other comics who like know that that you know they've heard the joke a dozen times. So, yeah. and then when I perform at, at a dive bar, it's like when I'm bombing, like everybody stays quiet, like nobody, like and it makes the silence is what makes it so much worse. Oh, it is the worst. It's the silence. Because if you get a laugh, you can build off of it. You can ride that energy. If you get a boo or a groan, you can be like, oh, you guys are lame. <laughs> have, have you ever been booed? No. You ever been heckled? Yeah. Where at? I don't remember. I Tommy T's a couple times. Tommy T's. Oh my God, you're scaring me from that room. Maybe I shouldn't. It was there. one guy. I, I made some, I made some reference and some guy said something. And I was like, no, thank you. Um. Yeah, I've never. Heck, it's just it's not as common. It's not around here. Yeah. Uh, although San Jose comics, I've heard are way nicer like Northern California comics are way nicer than like LA. Maybe it's because it's less competitive up here. Yeah. At the improv with their hecklers. Is, is there any like bad heckler stories? No. We, had, we had one comedian jump over a table and start beating on a guy. That was a comedian who did that. Well, a comedian jumped out of the stage to beat Obviously. the shit out of somebody. Yeah. A, guy threw a heckler. A, guy threw a beer bottle at him. Oh, it was this like a big comedian or was it local? He wasn't local, but he wasn't, I don't even remember his name. What happened? So he, a guy threw a beer bottle yeah, at the comedian. Like the, he, he didn't find him funny or something? The comedian was messing with his girlfriend's phone. Like they were known to do. And the guy took offense to it. So he threw a beer bottle. And I mean, we have like a whole team of security guys. So they've, they've kicked people out every couple of weeks. Sometimes. <laughs> For talking too loud, usually? Yeah. 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 We warn them. And if they, if you guys, I'm sorry, we're going to have to, you know, we make them pay their tab. And then. Yeah, people get too drunk. God, I can't come out. Oh. People like pass out in the middle of the show. It, is, and also, at the sounds of the improv, there's big shows where have big comedians who are on tour coming around. Yeah, then you have local shows. Yeah. They're coming down. Do you see a difference coming from back and working the venues? Yeah. With the big shows, you're more likely to get a party of six and have one guy be like, yeah, I got it. I'm paying for everything. With the local shows, you're more likely to have people who are just friends and they don't like under their people are just like, oh, come see my comedy show, not come see my comedy show. There's a two item minimum. So that's when they'd be like, oh, um, so we got to get 
two things. I guess, okay, I guess what if I get Coke and Coke? What is that? Six, seven dollars? Okay. <laughs> Just seven dollars in quarters. People are, are, are spending less in local shows. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's you know, local shows are the Wednesday, Thursday nights and maybe Sundays. So those aren't even the big money nights anyways. Right. But sometimes, I mean, I've made fine money. Okay, I'll, I'll make up to like 80 bucks on a Wednesday sometimes in tips. Which is fucking fantastic. So what are you up to now? What is, what is the future plans of Paul Diggins? You're just hitting up mics? At the moment, yeah. Um, just trying to, you know, work, writing sketches, come up with ideas. Um, trying to get a clean 10 minutes. Clean 10 minutes. Yeah. That's how the improv does their, their openers. Mm-hmm. Like when a comedian comes in for the weekend, they'll just pick an opener from around here. And they have to be clean? They, that's what they prefer. Prefer to have clean? And I can, I can do that. Fine. Um. Do you call yourself a clean comic? No. 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 Cause I. Good. I don't trust clean comments. <laughs> I talk about drugs and I swear and stuff. But but it's like I don't talk about gross or stuff or crude stuff. Like I'm not mean. Like I'll be like, dude, I fucking love fruit snacks, and like that's considered obscene because I said fucking. But I but in the same you know I could be like, I could like look a certain person in in the eye and be like, I think you're absolutely nothing. I think you're the most worthless piece of scum to ever walk the earth and I when I leave this conversation I will never think of you again that's completely clean but that was like horrible yeah right that doesn't that doesn't make you feel good at all so what's the what's the it's you know it's about what you put in like how you feel about it I mean there's certain words I just don't say because I'm I'm white oh yeah (laughs) and people are like you know you white boy you cool white boy but you ain't that cool like I have a lot of a lot of black friends at work and I'm, I'm apparently i'm everyone's token white boy <laughs> like yo this is my boy it's my boy paulie and i'm like hey yep some guys they, they put you at the, the driver's seat the passenger seat so they don't get pulled over talks to the cops yeah. paulie come here <laughs> vouch for me brother yeah, that, that doesn't happen <laughs> but um recently you're getting to the an improv kind of thing aren't you you're, yeah you're I mean, really good at it you're really good at improv i uh it comes so natural to you I've just been, I used to watch this improv group every year at camp. Um, camp? I, summer camp, I used to go to. They would just have an improv group there. Summer camp. Yeah. You went to summer camp. Like, was it a school summer camp? Or was it? Church camp. Church camp. Oh. How was that? It was fine. I loved it. Church camp. It was called extreme camp. It was awesome. Went to the mountains, got to go away for a week, play games, sing songs, do rec have free time hanging out with cute girls that went to the other school. Uh-huh. And I just remember thinking, like, yeah, I could do this, this improv stuff. And I'm just, I don't know. It, I I like getting into a different character and just going with it and just being like, how far is Paul going to take this? He's, he's being a little too real right now. It's like, yeah, because I, I am an angry Dutch boy. An angry Dutch boy. Someone has taken. No, I, I don't. I can't do. That's German. I can't do it Dutch. I don't know the difference. I can do a lot of accents, but they all kind of mesh together after a bit. 
Mm-hmm. So you just writing sketches, working on your improv and stand up. Just enjoying life, just not caring about school, and you know, I make enough money to pay all my bills and buy yeah. weed and hang out with friends. And you made a big decision with school recently. I did make a big decision yeah. with school. I decided to step away from my last semester um, and focus on my health and mental well-being. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So you. Finished, like, you didn't finish, but you, you're you done with school, right? At the moment, You yes. dropped out. You're like, it's, it's it's that point where you feel like you're not going anywhere with school? It's, I have just been dragging myself through the educational system for years and years, and I've, I've hated it forever. I've always hated school. Just such bad ADD, and I just I don't learn well in that environment. Like I, the reason I love what I love about comedy is there's you just get together with people who love what they're doing, and they like you can bounce off ideas and you can build and you get excited and something happens and you're like proud of it. But like working on a group project, like all right, guys, we gotta make a great project about the Great Barrier Reef. You want to do the PowerPoint? I'll make the pamphlet. And then, you know, yeah, group projects are the worst. Dude. I just I'm I just growing up. Like I was just in church and school all the time, and I just remember like being, being forced to sit down, shut up, and listen to someone that I didn't think was had anything worth saying. And she'd be like, "I'm funnier than this guy. I'm more interesting than them." So that's what I did. Are you talking about the preacher? Both. <laughs> at church, I, I I wasn't. I didn't say anything because I would get in trouble. But oh, at school, yeah. I would do whatever I possibly could to take attention away from the teacher and onto me. Uh-huh. I wanted the class to like me more than the teacher, and that often happened at the expense of my grades. Oof. Were you considered the class clown? No, I was the class comedian. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> class clown's a little different. Yeah. Like Mike Perbiglia says, class clown's meaner, and he just walks in, he's he's like, you're fat, you're gay, I'm out of here. <laughs> just, he's just, you know, class clown's, I mean, I'd say it's the difference between a clown and a comedian. Clowns are just silly and like, oh, look at me, I'm a I was never like that. It was always just like, how could I say, I'm like, when the teacher asks a question, how could I say the answer that's still technically true but hilarious? Uh-huh. A great example. I remember like one of my first days of school at San Jose State. My teacher, it was like a media class, and he was talking about uh, the Super Bowl. So he was like, uh, the NFL season ended with what? And he wanted someone to fill in the sentence and say, oh, the Super Bowl. This is a class of about like 50 people. And I just yell out, disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually the year the Niners lost the Super Bowl to the Ravens. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And uh, and everybody laughed. And I was like, yes. So do you get like a high once you get that attention and then you're just killing it? There's a high to it? Especially if it's like something not a big deal. If I just say something, I'm just like, yeah. My favorite thing in the world is to make somebody laugh while I have a straight face. <laughs> Especially because keeping a straight face makes them laugh more because they're like, how come you're not laughing? Like, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. And do you feel, because talking about substance and drugs, uh, do you feel like that helps you? Yeah. Getting high, it helps you write up jokes? I, I'm... I don't know. I can do it either way, but I'm I'm pretty much always high. So, but I'm very functional. 
And you also have, and I see it also helps with your ADD. Do you feel like having ADD helps in comedy? I feel like it does in some way. Uh, it helps because my mind is always racing. Yeah, and that's definitely something good in comedy. It's good for. It's bad for having anxiety and overthinking things and getting into like downward thoughts, you know, negative thought spirals where I just. Um, but comedy wise, it's great because I. I can just make stuff up on the fly and people are like, dude, who, oh, who was that? I'm like, what do you, who, what, like, I, I just said that. I'm like, oh, did you already come up with that? I was like, no. I just <laughs> came on the spot. Just came up with it right now. They're like, that, you should do that. There's only a few people like I'll actually listen to when they tell me that. Kind of, it kind of bugs me when like someone else does something and then they'll say something and then I'll say something funny and then they'll say something and then I'll say something funny and they're like, wow, that was a great back and forth. You should do that just so like they, they can be a part of it. And it's like, I'm, I'm glad people, you know, but it's like, all right, that wasn't that funny. Hmm. Like, I'm not going to tell, this, I'm, I'm not going to go on stage and like this is a perfect example. Uh, when I got my weed card, I... I had to talk to the doctor and I just explained to him, yeah, I got bad anxiety and my back hurts. That's what I always say. Never had a problem. Yeah, I was like, okay. And he's like holding my recommendation. He's talking to me and he's like, oh, so what do you do? I was like, oh, I work at the improv. And uh, he's like, oh, do you perform? I'm like, oh, not yet. I'm hoping someday. He's like, oh. He like sits back in his chair all cool. He's like, I got something you can use. He's like laughing himself. <laughs> and the whole time he's like holding my recommendation. So I can't be like, can you like fuck off and give that to me? <laughs> Cause he's technically my doctor. Just met the guy, but he's like, all right. So I was, uh, so I got this, I got a ticket for, uh, for running a, a red light or something, but I, I knew I didn't, I, knew I wasn't running a red light. So I wanted to challenge it, you know? Right? So, so I go to the, uh, the city <laughs> and I, uh, I try to challenge him. Like, Hey, I didn't run that red light. And they're like, Oh, sir. It looks like you didn't, but you were on your cell phone. <laughs> and I was like good one what do you what do you want me to do with that <laughs> and the funny the, the ironic thing is is that if I were to do that on stage that's how I would present it like not like oh this thing happened it was like yeah my weed doctor wouldn't give me my weed card until he made me listen to this stupid fucking story <laughs> And the worst thing about it is they took my driver's license and they didn't give it back. And I called them like, now we ain't got your driver's license. I was like, fuck. So I haven't had a driver's license for way too long. Wow. This is fun. I like podcasts. This is this is what Ben and I do all the time. Just, although he's usually drinking and smoking, but we just go back and forth and just talk shit and occasionally write ideas down. Yeah, Ben. Ben, he's performing this Sunday. Yeah, I'm stoked. He's nervous. Yeah, rightfully so. But there's there is that added pr- there's like a little added pressure for us because you go up to the improv, you bomb, you get to leave. We like when I, when Ben goes up, everyone's gonna stop working. Every you know, we all love Ben. Yeah. Oh, for, for the people who don't know, Ben Jaramillo, he's another comedian, friends of ours. Also works at the improv. And he also works at the improv. So we're, you know, he's performing and I'm hoping to perform there someday. This is where we work. 
So if we go up on stage and just bomb, just eat shit, we got to be like, all right, thank you very much. And then we got to walk off stage and, and, and then we have to go back to work, you know, the next day <laughs> and have people like, yeah, saw your, so I know you like say you're a comedian, but that was horrible. <laughs> Don't lose your day job, which is here. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't, I wanted to make sure I got promoted to server before I went up at the improv. Cause it's like small fear that I would like, but like, yeah, I don't think we're going to promote you anymore. <laughs> Based on that set. That set was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> also, that's our, that's our, our fucking home field. Our, we've been on that stage hundreds of times and yeah. practicing improv and just standing there for fun. And, you know, often when I first started every day after work, after we'd clean up, I would just stand up on stage and look at, you know, at the whole building and just be there, just visualize. Just fantasize. Oh, yeah. It's I feel I feel good there. I feel at home with the improv. It's great, great fucking venue. Yeah, it's nice. It's one of the biggest, right? One of. There's a couple that are bigger. Have you ever uh, done stand up in any other part of the Bay Area? Just Pleasanton and San Jose, really. Just sticking around the South Bay. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm hoping to expand soon, but I school had gotten in the way. Yeah. Well, not anymore, right? So no. Now you got more time to it. Yeah. Maybe take some time off, and luckily with my like my boss is like, oh yeah, I'll give you time off if it's to perform. That's fine. I get that, but it's also cool because I I have like kind of an inside track into the comedy industry. And it's oh yeah, I think you're a good advantage point, and you talk to comedians that come to town, right? Oh, yeah. I love to get to hang out with them more and kind of pick their brains. Cause you try not to be like. Oh my God, I'm a big fan. I'm also a comedian. Can you tell me? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you yeah. don't, you don't, you don't want to be lame. It's just got to be like casual, like, oh yeah, you know, I kind of, I do comedy too. Which comedian do, was it fun to hang out with? Um, my favorite comedian that I've hung out with is this guy named Gene Pompa. Gene Pompa, very cool guy. Uh, not very super well known. Um, every like a lot of everyone in the comedy industry knows him. Been doing it a long time. Uh, smoked with him out. And, uh, outside a caravan um, <laughs> I I served Jesselnik He was a really cool guy I didn't talk to him much uh, I accidentally served Eric Griffin Cold coffee Cold coffee? Yeah, someone turned the burner off and I didn't know He's like He like held his cold And he put his finger in it He's like, yeah, I shouldn't be able to do this <laughs> like, Oh no Let me get and, I, and someone else got it for him I was like, oh, my life is over uh, You once taking a, a a drink up to doug stanhope right oh yeah i forgot about that um he ordered like two shots on stage because the uh he performs drinking oh he he brought a handle a, like a whole bottle of pop-off vodka drank the whole thing during a set and then kept ordering drinks <laughs> man can drink that's like his feel at that point oh yeah he's he like runs ben, he's like bender goal. from futurama Stand up is great. Stand up is great. Um, so we ordered because there's this this lady that is a huge fan of his, and she has terminal cancer. That literally started from like melanoma that developed into like brain. It was like the worst, you know, one of the worst ter- like skin cancer that developed into brain cancer or something like that. And she was going to die, and so she had like followed him around a lot of his shows, and he like saw her and acknowledged her, and, and um, he brought her up on stage, and he's like, "Can I get two shots?" And you know some. 
so the part gets made and i i didn't know i could have just run up the aisle handed to him so i went side stage on stage and handed it to him and he was like oh thank you my man uh this, see and he like points to the audience like see this is good for you this is stage time this is uh. <laughs> and i was just like yeah my heart's fucking racing it's fast super fast and i like waited to the audience and i got off stage and i was just like oh my god it's the best thing ever um he's a cool guy yeah, most of the time, like if you ever hear stories about like someone saying this comedian or that comedian's a jerk, most likely not that true. I mean, if you see her like, dude, that guy's an asshole. It's like, yeah, he's a comedian. We're all assholes. <laughs> We're expected to be assholes. I mean, I say that, and I, there are seven billion assholes on this planet. So, I don't think I don't think that is a diss, but it's it's very especially you know you see the difference at the improv like like the local shows you're talking about they're so excited to be at the improv they're like waiting outside to shake hands with everybody everyone wants to take a picture anybody and usually nobody does because there'll be like nine comics and they're all local um but when it's someone who's been you know been to the improv so many times they're like wait for people to leave and they'll sneak out because they don't want to talk to anybody they don't want to you know Certain certain comedians are just—it's easy to catch them in a ba- on a bad night. Stand-up comedy is the greatest job in the world, but it's still a job. Yeah. And some like there's times when I'm at an open mic when I'm just like pissy and I'm tired. I don't feel good, but I have to be there. Yeah. Because I need the practice. And it sucks that the fact that I have to sit in this fucking shitty bar for three hours to get my five minutes. Yeah. But it's the worst when you're waiting three to four hours and you and it ends up that you won't be performing after all it's like the worst i felt yeah that hasn't happened to me in a long time uh now that i know most of the i mean especially the rooms that i go to around here like they're like yeah we'll definitely get you up because we you know we you work at the improv right and it doesn't help when i get there early because now there's a new process where you do on facebook or yeah an on, email so by the time you get there it's like it's like more than half is already filled yeah so like fuck what can you do right yeah started working out and i'm very sore today so are you, are you like working out to build a muscle or are you working out to lose weight i'm trying to get trying to get sexy trying to get sexy <laughs> you have a personal trainer or are you just winging it i just go to the gym just go to gym a couple times a week do you like going to gym public gyms by like like 24 hours you said you just uh what's it called fitness evolution it's downtown i get so i get so insecure when i go <laughs> to like those gyms yeah i mean i i, I get insecure working out on something and then looking for something to work out because like everybody's using something and it's like uh, i look like an idiot looking around to see what's I like open. this place has never been crowded um it's pretty new it's like pretty cheap too i'm not gonna do like advertising for them obviously but they uh yeah i mean nobody uh, nobody really but pays attention to what other people are doing you know and if they do they're a lame human being <laughs> like i remember when i first started going to the gym i was expecting like everyone to be out of shape and i was like shit there's like actually like in shape people. And i was like yeah they don't just like oh i'm done all right bye <laughs> no it's a it's a process it's like dang dude that guy's like squatting 600 pounds yeah time to go to the elliptical you know <laughs> i just i ride my bike and like i don't do like the free weights because i don't have like someone to work out with but i'll just do like the you know all the weight machines there's plenty of them and 
I usually do. I'm usually fine with that. I went to the gym at San Jose State. Fucking crowded. I hate that. I then never went. Oh it my was god! So, it was always crowded. Yeah, it was. Super, it was a bunch of like uh, frat boys. Yeah. And and so so they bring their frats, and so we they take turns on the machine. So it takes forever to get on one machine because there's like ten of them. Got ten guys. And ten. It's like this is the biggest circle jerk I've ever seen. <laughs> It's like nobody's actually doing like nobody's working hard. You're just like there for appearances. Yeah, I. And the, then the worst um, is when you're just waiting for a machine. There's someone on their fucking phone, and it's like, are you <laughs> working out and on the phone? No, like they're sitting on the weight machine, just just texting, texting. And it's like, are you gonna use that? Like, yeah, I'm in between sets. It's like, yeah, you've been in between sets for ten minutes. <laughs> All right, we hit that one hour mark. We're at that closing time. Anything you want to put out there for the people of the internets? Paul Diggins. Follow Paul Diggins. Uh, Paul M. Diggins at twitter.com. Um, you know, whatever. I don't... I'm not I'm not very good at promoting myself. Yeah. How about social network? Are you, like, are you good at Twitter I, and I'm, Instagram? I tweet a lot. I'm back on Facebook after a long hiatus i don't i don't do i don't post stuff on facebook because my whole family's on there <laughs> i know that feeling recently my mom got a facebook page and and i have it i don't think i added her as a friend yet and she took offense to it the other day she's like why haven't you friended me it's like mom you don't want to know can they just make a facebook for families <laughs> just like no this is a friends network i don't want my aunts and uncles and my grandma but so are you insecure of what they might see what you write no i just i don't i'm insecure i just i i I don't like censoring myself and i kind of have to around them yeah they're you know they're real old and sweet and i i need to get over it because i'm an adult and you know i'm almost 25 it doesn't matter my you know i'm 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 a full-grown adult now i pay my own bills and you know i'm doing my own shit now i uh but yeah like even now i was like oh man is this podcast gonna go on facebook (laughs) is it gonna link to my page and my aunts and uncles gonna be like oh my god paul took mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) well it goes on my facebook uh jms podcast page so unless unless your any family members like the page they'll see it but if they don't don't we'll be fine it's up to you Anyway, Paul Diggins, thanks for coming by. Thanks, thanks for talking man. with us a bit. This was awesome. It's funny how I say us as if I'm already including the internet with me. Uh, thank you for talking to me, and I hope people enjoyed the conversation. It was great. So uh, you heard it, Twitter, Paul M. Diggins. And catch him at your local improv. Tip him well. There you go.